1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Looks like we're going to have a white Christmas, huh? (laughs) Anyway, um, let's get started with Thinking positively, okay? Hard times always lead to something great. That's the Johnson family in Wisconsin. Life's challenges are not supposed to paralyze you. They're supposed to help you discover who you are. And that was uh, Bernice Reagan. New beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. That's Zhao, And then finally, life's challenges, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do this one instead. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Winston Churchill, one of my favorites. Anyway, uh, you know, we always talk about our webpage um, on this show. And, you know, if you go to WHK 1420 to local podcast and head down, you will uh, go to my if, go to you know smart investor show and it goes directly to my webpage through there. You can get our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our savvy investors credit workbook. I know some people who think interest rates are going up, so wouldn't it be great to lock in a, a long-term scenario right now, women and wealth, uh, a planning workbook for women, which I think is great because, uh, <laughs> I get a lot of wonderful women in my life. Uh, also, uh, we have the business transition planning. Believe me, it's important if you're gonna sell your business first of all, you know you're gonna have uh, a lot of people offer you nothing. <laughs> we can help you uh, get a better price. I'm pretty sure and also it, you know if you're passing on to your son or daughter, you know there should be some uh, you should be talking to them about uh, some things. Also, we have the small cap list. And we also have our um, multi-cap list, which is small caps, mid caps, and large capitalization stocks. So dividend growth and prime income, I have a feeling dividend growth is going to come back uh, pretty soon. You know, um, I, I, I was thinking, and um, well, here, let's let's just – between 2016 and 2019, the average consumer loan interest rates for major type of debt increased. The average 30-year fixed mortgage rate rose from 37 to 4.3%. The average new vehicle loan from 4.2 to 5.5. The average credit card interest rate rose to 12.3 to 5.1. It's interesting because interest rates were coming down during that period of time. According to the estimate from the Statistica Consumer Market Outlook, consumption of coffee is set to be 18.3 pounds in the Netherlands, making the most avid drinkers of, of a cup of hot brown in the world. That's pretty amazing. You know, in the United States... Uh, most revenue generated in the United States, uh, well, re- the revenue coffee segment amounts to $362 billion, and the United States is $67 billion of that. Cyber uh, Monday spending rose 15.1% year-over-year, according to Adobe, which analyzes website transactions. It's a pretty hefty uh, move up. And uh, so, look, I, I was, a couple things I was thinking about, and uh, let me just, I was, uh, you know, we've had this proposition of growth versus value for some time, and uh, I was early on my call, way early, uh, but some of these things are working, so I'm, I'm not too early. But I was also uh, thinking about health care, and, and uh, I, I'm willing to make a bet. <laughs> you know, Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security are the three biggest budget busters for the U.S. government. And I suggest that, you know, based on the fact that they're throwing money out the window, you know, some people need it. So I get it. You know, it's not not the problem there. But I bet you Medicare and Medicaid have a huge increase coming. And I'm willing to bet that it'll be in a non-election year. <laughs> so... uh Somebody asked me, uh, you know, uh, about Medicare, and I, I look, I have a lot of opinions, and uh, uh, I'm not going to get into that in the show, but I just think there's going to be a big increase coming, and I'll leave it at that. But, you know, I've been talking about growth versus value ad nauseum for a pretty long time, and um, I, I, look, I, I think, uh, you know, growth stocks are on track to have the single biggest year in terms of outperforming value stocks since the S&P – 500 tracking started. It's a long time. It's like 68 years, okay? The growth index, index is up 28% this year, while the value index is down 3%. It's a pretty big hit. So if you look, you know, we started talking about the um, the epicenter stocks back in the summer. And, you know, I talked about cruise lines and I talked about casinos and I talked about airlines. Well, Carnival Cruise Lines at that point was 11 bucks it hit twenty four this week okay uh wind was at eighty two dollars in the in the casino area I think it's hundred four now, so some of these things have made some significant moves so i uh and I'm not recommending these stocks okay i'm just saying i'm just giving examples so so where are we now okay well i I've listened to a lot of people like and people have asked me you know what's gonna happen in two thousand uh twenty one and i think I think there could be a move to hard assets. You know, I'm, I'm seeing copper explode to the upside. You know, when we first started talking about co- copper, then I had a couple weeks off due to basketball. Copper was 295. It hit 368. That's a big move for a ton of copper. I mean, it's a big move. Um, oil it broke through $46. You know, gold had a parabolic move and then pulled back. But nobody's talking about gold now, and I'm. I'm. It was limit up the other day, so <laughs> I said that last week. So there we go. So, but look, um I started to, uh you know, look at a few things, and and, you know, and there's a couple things that. uh First of all, you know, somebody asked me what could go wrong. Well, I think COVID could mutate. That'd be a big problem. Uh, I think there could be, you know, more election term turmoil. Okay. Third thing, the vaccine doesn't work. I mean, they're having some allergic reactions right now. Uh, U.S. dollar crashes could be a you know interest rate surge. It could be an IPO bubble. Retail stocks are are kind of in a well, I should say retail stock trading is kind of a bubble. I mean, Robinhood is in trouble. They've they've got in a couple of things. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad place, but you know they're not they're not watching people's accounts. They've had several people come in and hack accounts. You know so. I think people are way too bullish right now. And I think uh, Congress could go after big tech and there's hackers. I mean, this Russian thing uh, is huge. I think, you know, they're, they're tapping into the NSA and stuff like that. And then if if Biden has health issues, that could be a real big problem. So those are the things I'm worried about. Um, you know, but if you look at some of if, if you look at all the major sell-offs, the return to norm normalcy happens pretty quickly. So, uh, Somebody asked me, where, where do I think the best place is to be? Well, you know, I, I was listening to guys uh, at FunStrat, I was listening to guys at RBC, and I was listening, I was reading some stuff from Credit Street, Suite First Boston. And you know, it's funny, uh, there's two sectors, uh, consumer discretionary industrials, that every one of them think are the right place to be. Okay. By the way, I'm supposed to say right about now that this is a live show. If you got a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Now, some people think that the rotation to industrials and to uh, consumer discretionary will be a violent rotation. Okay. A violent rotation. One of the things that we've seen is the VIX has been Really high. The VIX is the volatility index or the fear index. It's been very, very high for several years, and what it, it could revert to the mean, which mean it could be very, very low for the next several years. So it could be a big move, and usually that when that occurs, it occurs with with interest rates creeping up. Okay, interest rates creep up, growth stock uh, PE ratios go down. So that's something you have to be uh, thinking about. But look, I, I think there's going to be a There's a lot of cyclical value out there, and what I'm starting to see in the charts is the industrials, the chemicals, the packaging, transportation, uh, you know, a lot of these names, retail, restaurants, all right? Somebody sent me a note last week saying, you know, I can't believe they're looking at restaurants. I said, you can't look backwards. you are got to look forwards, okay? Uh, And the small cap and mid cap regional banks are looking good. Cyclical tech looks good, Okay uh defense uh, looks like it's peaking to me to, to a certain degree. But look, I, I think we're in a recovery cycle. And in recovery cycles, usually the stuff that led leads. Then it falls back for a while. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go out and sell all the FANG stocks or anything like that. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is if you listen to the Fed this week, they talked about letting inflation run. Because we've been in deflation for 10 years. Okay. It really came to light back in the spring. So they're talking about letting inflation run, which means interest rates should go up a little bit, which means the price of oil could go up. I mean, look at oil. Nobody's giving them money. Nobody's. Wall Street won't give them money. They won't give money to drill and, uh, you know, they're not giving any, any oil company drilling money. And if they do, they're paying three, four percentage points higher. And a lot of the, the companies, BP, Chevron, are going green, okay? Because there's been so much pressure. Uh, so look, what happens if the price of oil starts to go up? These oil companies, you know, can't drill. Price of oil may stay up for a while, okay? So I think oil could be, or energy, and I'm talking about the hard energy, that you know, not the not the soft energy like, no, I like salt you know, uh, solar is. I told you, you know, uh, a month ago, if Biden gets in, solar energy is going to go crazy. Okay. So, so I, I think, you know, if, by the way, I think the next stimulus bill, not this one, but the next one, if the Democrats do win the, uh, the Senate and the House and all the rest, will be a infrastructure bill to create jobs and that type of thing. So, um, anyway, uh, you know, somebody asked me about the international markets too. And, and the one thing I'll say about international markets, is that uh, I see Japan looking really, really great. Europe, I'm starting to see some of Europe, like the Nordic countries, and and um, you know Germany is getting close to the old high, and and, the, and just the EFA is getting close to the old high, but they, they got to break through, okay. Italy, you know, is in a long drawn out bottom. I think they, they got to break through, so they haven't. I prefer the Japan and the emerging markets. The emerging markets look better than you know the the uh, more uh, domesticated markets. And uh, the one thing I will say is that if you look, the interest rates are much, much higher in U.S., which usually means the money flow is going to go to the U.S. So there we go. So, uh you know, basically this growth versus value thing, I think could be, um, you know, it, it it could be a, a real big, big uh, move coming up. And um, I, I do think that industrials, and consumer discretionary, which puts, you know, that's restaurants, retail, that's cruise ships and all that stuff, could be big, big scenarios for people. Uh, and remember, when it comes to cyclicals, you'll look at the thing and they'll say, that's a high P.E. ratio. They start with high P.E. ratios. That's when you buy them. You know, if you look at history. And then when their P.E. ratios get low and they start earning a lot of money, that's when you sell them. Believe me, I've been doing this too long. I've I've done it uh, several times. So, take a look at the epicenter stocks going forward. Uh, I do think there'll be a big correction in the first quarter. You know, ten uh, percent probably. And I said that last last year. I was just a half off. Uh, but you know, the you can't ha- look. People still need copper to build homes. People still need copper to to wire things. Okay. People still need you know they're building. They need all that, all those domestic, you know, those value stocks. When we get rid of COVID, or if we fi- finally get rid of COVID, people are going to want to get out. I don't know about you, but I'd love to go to a restaurant. I, I like to even go shopping. I can't believe I said that, you know, but that's what I would like. So it'll be interesting to see coming up if, you know, if the, we get these, uh, uh, vaccines to work have a little problem with Pfizer's with some reactions. See what happened with Moderna's and Johnson Johnson's coming next and Novavax and a few others. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what happens. But the growth index right now uh, is trading in a, in a you know pretty big high valuation, like 47 times next or 42 times next year's earnings, where the S&P value is, is trading in about 14, you know, uh, like I said. When you look at growth versus value, uh, it's the biggest and the longest period of time of outperformance by growth versus value. So I think what we have to be starting to think is, will the rotation be calm or will it be uh, more of a, you know, look out? Okay. But I think it's going to be where well, you got to keep that barbell approach. You know, it, the, the bar itself is your, you know, your consumer staples, your utilities, those type of things, stable companies. On one bar is your technology stocks. On your other bar is the cyclical stocks. And I think you got to be in the right industries. So I would sprinkle. You know, I don't think you have to buy all these, but I think you know sp- sprinkle some consumer discretionary stocks, sprinkle some industrials, and sprinkle some energy stocks. Okay, you know, energy is kind of my pick, and I'm I'm just thinking that nobody's giving them any money. So if there's an energy shortage or there's an oil shortage, uh, or oil prices start to pick up. Ain't nobody drilling because they can't get the money <laughs> so things get real things can get really interesting quickly in the uh, the energy field uh and then maybe just trades i don't know i you know i don't know if it's the start of a bull market form or not but uh i think it could be an interesting uh pickup but remember i'm looking for you know a, a sell off first okay hey let's take a break remember this is a live show so the the number here is two one six nine oh one oh nine four five that's two one six nine oh one oh nine four five we'll be right back If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, and uh, you know, uh, I, I just got a, a, an email from somebody saying, are you telling us to buy the high P.E. ratio stocks and then sell them when they go down? And the answer to that is yes. I don't know why that happens with industrials. And uh, it happens with retail. It happens with uh, a, a lot of the consumer discretionary stocks, too, but mostly industrials and, and energy stocks. Uh because usually the P.E. ratio is the highest when things are bad. And then they start earning a lot of money and things are too good then. You know, that's usually when you get a peak. Okay, so the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Hey, don't forget, we have our year-end checklist that you can get for me. If you just if you go to WHK 1420, go to local podcast, you go right to my webpage. By the way, check in. You know, Bob Dickey has a technical analysis piece every day. Every day it's new. We have a weekly newsletter and a monthly newsletter on that page. We also have, under the Insight column, a lot of good stuff. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff about women in investing right now. I think it's fantastic. Uh, But there's a lot of stuff about what the Fed's thinking. Remember, the Fed is now saying it wants inflation. If inflation comes, what you want is companies with big balance sheets, and you want them to have leverage. Let me say that again. You want big balance sheets, not these growth, you know, stocks that are going straight up that have nothing on their balance sheets. You want big balance sheets with leverage. That's what goes up during periods like this. Okay, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, there. But uh, you can you can hit the contact me or email me there, and you can get the the, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, our top ideas, uh, our multifaceted or multi-capitalization portfolio are small caps. Also all the, you know, the, the credit stuff and, uh, women and wealth, uh, planning guide for women and that type of thing. Okay. So, um, you know, I was looking at the charts and I, I was doing some historical stuff last night and I, I stayed at my desk too long. My eyes are starting to hurt by seeing, looking at the computer too long, but look, um, uh, if you, if you know what KST is, uh, it's, it's an indicator we call no sure thing. You know, we know it's a sure thing, okay? And I was looking uh, at it. I read Marty Pring, uh, by the way, early this morning, and, and Marty's a smart guy. You know, uh, I've got all three of his books, and uh, he, he keeps surprising me with some of the stuff that he comes up with. He's really quite a brilliant guy. And one of the things is I noticed is that the, the KST gave a buy signal uh, just Last Wednesday, and usually that means that um, you know we're getting ready. Okay, now sometimes there's a corrective phase that occurs right after these give, and it looks like it's turning down, and turns back up. But if you look at the uh, the Dow Jones World Index, uh, it is broken up uh, and is at a new high, which I think is kind of interesting. Now Europe, like I said, Europe. Has a couple, you know, peaks right about, uh, right above where we are now. The question is, will we turn up? Well, the KST indicator is turning up, which is positive, and we had that. The Nordic, you know, I mentioned the Nordic group is is definitely that way. And Germany uh, is still below it, but it has turned up too. So, you know, Italy's a little bit of a problem, but we are seeing the KST turn up now. Asia. I think, uh, you know, the emerging markets looks really good, but the Nikai looks phenomenal. I mean, the Nikai looks like it's a head, I mean, a shoulder, double head, shoulder. And, uh, it could be a a, a big move up, uh, coming here. So that's, you know, I, I think, uh, Taiwan and Japan and the emerging markets are probably the best bet in the international area. That's Tim's personal opinion, but, uh, the, the emerging markets look like, you know, they're, they're, you know, one quick move up and they'll be, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see a big, big move there. Uh, also, we, I, I think we have, you know, on the S&P composite, you know, we could have uh, a, a pretty big uh, breakout stock to bond ratio. Uh, you know, so it might be that you want to be in uh, stocks over bonds. Okay. The other thing I've, I've been noticing is that the e-commerce stocks have just exploded. Uh, coming into the, uh, I mean, you know, one that we recommended was Stitch Fitch, and it's up 100% in a month. So I'm not saying chase it or anything, but I'm noticing that, uh, you know, uh, some of the ETFs, uh, are turning, you know, have been going crazy in the last month. So that's an area that, you know, uh, may be, you know, that may be peaking after Christmas. So I would suggest, uh, you be careful. Uh, Amazon has not participated, uh, although it, it, it led the way out. Uh, you know, (laughs) uh, and uh, in the spring. So, you know, it's it's something that, uh, you know, I'm I'm not saying sell it. I'd say it just hasn't been participating as of yet. You know, sometimes you need a consolidation before you go. One of the things that I did see uh, on the NASDAQ composite is that we broke a a triple top just this last week, uh, or maybe it was the first, you know, first week of December. And then we came back, pulled right back and then turned right back up. So, um, you know, the, the composite has been a place where, um, you know, you you can make a, quite a bit of money. So we're seeing, you know, one of the areas that really stands out, I think, has been the energy sector. The energy sector and the financials led the way in November, and the energy sector is still going up. So, uh, you know, I've seen the energy sector, technology, communication services, and the financial sector, son, and the computer discretionary uh, have all been looking really, really good on the charts, so uh, we'll see if that continues but uh, you know um, we always try to give you the you know what's right now look some of these are in an overbought uh, market and and I think after we have a bit of a correction in the first quarter and I, I think we have enough momentum to get through the first quarter by the way uh, because the last two weeks of December are usually the you know December is usually a good month and it's usually the last two weeks of December that are really good so uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, we're getting interesting. And the other area I'm seeing is is some of the, what I call the communication services groups. And I get, some of that, you know, is is entertainment, by the way, but uh, you, know, uh, you know, Disney made a big move. Discovery Channel made a big move. Uh, so we're starting to see some of that stuff that, uh, that, you know, Netflix has been in a consolidation, but it led the way. Same with Activision, some of those other names. But that group looks uh, fairly interesting, too. So um, look, and I'm going to say this again, uh, because I, I think it's important. You know, one of the areas that I talked about with Joe Biden is is green energy. And there's two areas there. You know, Joe Biden has a thing for hydrogen because, he's, you know, he said basically, you know, the byproduct is water. OK, uh, so he's real big on that. So there's a couple names in that area that look good, but also solar area. I mean, man, I'm, I'm seeing I have two or three charts in there. There's there's a company that makes the blades for wind. uh, That it looks really, really good. Looks like it broke a triple top just this last week, or just about to, I should say. Uh, So, uh, any pullback on that one? And there's quite a few in the uh, uh, solar power area that I think are really, really good too. Uh, You know, I've also got one that does the software for a lot of these, a lot of these situations. So, it's one of those things that I think could be very, very positive over the next year or two. So. Look, um, I looked at, uh, you know, Rob Schleimer at Fundstrat always talks about the weekly quadrant balance indicator, and it's still not terribly overbought yet. Um, So it could go up in, like I said, into the new year and then turn around. But if you look, you know, we talked uh, this summer, way early part of the summer, we talked about the Citigroup uh, G10 economic surprise indicator being way low. Well, it's way high now, so it could bounce one more time and then, you know, head down. The other thing is, if you look at the bulls versus the bears, uh, the sentiment is pretty high. So uh, that's another thing that you know you want to be careful with. I look at the daily; I think we're fine on daily. The put to call ratio you know, was very low, uh, which means people were too bullish. Has turned up a little bit, so that's that's a good positive. Uh, growth versus value. If you look at the daily, uh, there's been no move either direction. So Growth versus value, you know, nobody's got leadership yet. So they're each participating, which means a broadening of the advanced decline line, which I think is very important uh, for most of us, okay? Um, And we talked about high beta. What I mean by high beta right now is the the stuff that's down the most, the epicenter stock. Mm. You know, we made that call this summer. Actually, Tom Lee made that call this summer. From Funstrat, and you know Tom's one of the uh, better strategists out there. I I use everybody, folks. (laughs) Uh, And and by the way, our uh, our people had said the same thing. So, um, but but the high beta stuff has is beaten the low volatility stuff, which would not been the case for a a while uh, in the past, anyway. But if you look at high beta versus large cap growth. it was, it was beating everything, and then it died. So now the U.S. dollar, you know, that is a worry because uh, it looks like it's heading, still going to head south. Uh, so I'd be very careful there. And I, and once again, I I think, you know, the, the group that's uh, established up is still the technology, software, services, and that type of thing. I'm not saying throw those out. I'm just saying I think the big opportunity is going to be in industrials and consumer discretionary. Okay, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, 216-901-0945 to get into the studio. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, we need a private eye for uh, some of the stuff that's going on in the elections, right? All right. So, um, you know, on December fourth, there's a thing that Dorsey Wright follows, and they, they get some great technical stuff. Uh, you know, you use it all, okay? And, and what I've been telling people for years is that we're trying to match our fundamentals. You know, what to, you know who to buy. What you know, do they have great management? Do they have a great product? And that type of thing, with when to buy. Trust me, you'll make more money that way. <laughs> uh, buying things at tops can hurt. Uh, so anyway, on December fourth, the percent positive trend for the New York Stock Exchange, which is a lot of stocks out there, reached seventy percent, and that's the first time it's happened since February of two thousand thirteen. The span of eight years, by the way, just to you know, if you're wondering why we haven't had much. And we haven't had a broad market rally in eight years. So this means that 70% of the stocks within the New York Stock Exchange Index are currently trading in a positive trend. So this is dartboard territory, folks, uh, which scares me a little bit. But So the New York Stock Exchange universe has much more emphasis on small and mid-cap names uh, compared to the S&P 500, which is strictly large-cap names. I mean, they're they're small end in, in the in the billions and billions of dollars. Okay, so the average returns, if we look uh, for three and six months out, or maybe even a year, the S and P index outpaced the Russell by over 500 basis points. While broader participation is a good sign for domestic equities as a, as a whole, it does not necessarily mean that small and mid caps will perform better than large caps. Okay, so if you look at the S and P 500. And we look out, uh, you know, the median average over six months is a nine percent return, and then over the year it's just a ten. With small caps, it's only nine versus uh, over a year of seven. So uh, now there's been some different years where we've had, you know, small caps in 2013 were up 24 percent over a year, and uh, large caps were up 20 percent though. So uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that small and mid caps uh, are going to outperform. So Remember, they outperform at the end of the year and the beginning of the year. And then I think you want to be, you know, you pay attention to your portfolio is what it comes down to. So the bullish percent, we talk about that every week. It's our main risk guide. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the reasons we watch this is because what we've done is we've talked about value versus growth. We've talked a little bit about Medicare. So we talked about the big picture. All right. The Fed talking about letting inflation run for a while. Okay. That's big. And then now we're moving down to specific situations in the markets. We're talking about risk, right? Now, the bullish percent was designed back in the 30s. And what it was meant to do was make you bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. So that when everybody's talking about their portfolios and beating the drums, you want to be careful. So what they do is they set up a chart, a point and figure chart, X's and O's from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's when everybody's happy that's the red zone. It's when you should be a lot more cautious. Doesn't mean, you know, if you're in column of Xs, which is uh, offensive team's on the field as we are right now, uh column of Os means the defensive team's on the field. So when you get over 70 and then you reverse back into a column of Os, that's usually a time you want to be really careful. We're still in a column of Xs, but we're at 73. We're up there. So you can still pace, but hand the ball off to the fullback, you know, buy things down. Don't be chasing things because that's how you're going to get, uh, you, you know, your your head handed to you, which we don't want anybody doing. Okay, so the we are at seventy three. We're still in the column of X's. Uh, we were down one percent for the week, but we you know nothing yet. We wouldn't reverse until sixty eight. So we've we've got about five percentage points here. Now the big improvement was in the over the counter index, which was was fifty one two weeks ago. It's now at sixty two point five, and would not retrace down for six percentage points to uh, 56. And the other area uh, is the uh, world index, which is the column of X's. So we have every one of our bullish percent are still in the column of X's. So risk is higher, especially the New York stock exchange index because it's over 70, but we still have the ball. Okay. We're still on offense. Uh, We just got to be smarter about what we do. Okay. Uh, The wind's starting to blow a little bit, so we don't want to throw the long pass because we might get intercepted. Now, if I look at dynamic asset level investing, uh, you know what I thought was interesting: three small cap style boxes are the most improved areas in, in dynamic asset level investing. So it'd be interesting to see. Look, in 2013, it was the end of the small cap move. So it'd be interesting to see if this is the beginning, because uh, 2013 was a great—you know—I I, my small cap index stocks were up like 50, 60 percent in some cases. So. Uh, the improvement in the small cap space has been seen in a number of different uh, fronts. Uh, dynamic asset level investing, uh, you know, it has seen it. And if I look at large cap band blend versus small cap blend, small cap blend has been straight up and large cap blend has been straight down. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, most of the indexes, uh, with the exception of the frontier index, uh, have been positive for quite a long time. Emerging markets, 10 weeks the Dow, six weeks, uh, the small and mid-cap, 10 weeks, uh, the uh, equal weight, 10 weeks, and and then the QQQs and the uh, S&P 500 and the the XLGs have only been for four or five weeks. So, look, 10 weeks is a long time to be positive, okay? We usually have, you know, jukes this way, jukes that way. And uh, so I think you want to, you know, smaller names, Coming into the end of the year, we'll probably have some still good momentum. At the beginning of the year, you got to be a little bit more careful. Now, look, the small cap, of the IGR, which is the S and P 500, S and P 600. I'm sorry, small cap index did break a double top this week, so that's that's positive. So we don't have any signs yet. So I, you know, I'm I'm just saying that we're up there. Okay, I'm not saying you know head for the hills, but we are up there. So you just want to pay more attention to your smaller names, and I think uh, you want to. Uh, uh, you know, pay, pay pretty close attention. Now, look, I, the small cap 600 index fund is up, uh, 8.8% today and mid caps up 10. The QQQs are up 44 for the year. Uh, the S&P 500 trusts up 14 and the Investco top 50 is up 20. So it's been just a small amount of stocks, which is starting to spread out a little bit, which is good. You know, that's what you want. Uh, um, now I did notice that there was 27 favored sectors. This week. And remember back in the spring when I said, you know, if you looked at the graph, they were all to the left. What a great buying opportunity. Well, most of them are on the right now. So I'll talk about where they are. And you should realize that the ones I talk about first are the most overbought. So in the 80s, in the 80s now, remember 70 is the red zone, textiles, chemicals, restaurants, savings and loans, banks, machinery and steel, 76 is financials, autos, electrics, Wall Street, insurance, uh, aerospace, and gaming. 70 is retail, uh, computers, leisure, housing, building, materials, and medical, or media, I'm sorry. At 62 is waste management. At 50 is oil and oil service. At 44 is biotech. And then we don't have anything under 30. So we're we're statistically way to the right. So we, we probably going to have a corrective phase coming up here. Hasn't started yet. Don't think it's going to start till last of the year. But, you know, look, uh, Noah didn't build the ark the day it started raining. Okay. So pay attention to your portfolios here is what I'm trying to tell you. I've been reviewing portfolios every day. So now we did see going into the most favored sectors, uh, oil and savings and loans. Then we moved from average to favored sector was waste management electrical uh, products, Wall Street and banking, and then the internet, which had been unfavored, uh, went to average. Uh, now, one of the things I noticed is, uh, you know, I was looking at the, the breadth of, uh, and strength of some of the international equity markets, and it's, and it's continued to expand. Now, I talked about the EEM, and uh, you know, I, I, I still think uh, the EEM looks good. Now, that's the emerging markets, and most of it's in the Far East, okay? Uh, and so and it's, its top five holdings are big, big technology stocks. But Latin America broke over three, and it had the the best directional score in the Dorsey-Wright system, too. Uh, our friends at Dorsey-Wright, you know, provide us with the, the bullish percent. Uh, great folks to do business with, by the way. Um, so we've had some really good recent improvement in South America, which I thought was interesting. And, uh, you know, um, if you look at the what they call – the ILF country exposure, uh, there's been some, you know, good, uh, I mean, the ILF is a, a ETF, has a lot in Brazil and Mexico and Chile. And, uh, you know, it looks it looks like it's interesting. Now, the other area I saw is Mexico. Mexico broke a double top and it's pulled back nicely. So I, I looked at four or five ETFs and, you know, Dorsey Wright uh, showed one ETF and I'm not going to tell you which one that is. But um, anyway, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting that they are, Paying that close attention, okay. Now the U.S. Treasury yield reversed into a column of X's at at point nine five. Now that means it's going up, okay. Uh, but the it looks like the still the best place to to buy yield is some of the international bond funds. Now, I I'm not a big fan of these. They you know most of them have four and a half five you know five percent yields. You got to watch. I wouldn't. Buying anything that has leverage, not with yields at the at the all time lows. Okay, that's that's just stupid. So if they have leverage, you know, you got to do your own homework. I've, I've already looked them over. Uh, so I think that was where I'd be the most careful. Is if I had any kind of bond fund that had leverage in it, because if uh, if Tom Lee and the guys at Fundstrat are right, and we have interest rates that go up, and and suddenly you know the Fed's letting inflation go for a while, you're going to get you, you're going to be toast. Uh, so I looked at, uh, commodity prices, and by the way, commodities are starting to look like they're bottoming. Uh, so if, if some of the stuff I said earlier in the first part of the show is correct, commodities may be the place where you can make a lot of money fast, alright? Uh, now, you can buy commodities without leverage, without futures now. You can, there's ETFs for sugar, oil, everything, alright? So, uh, I've been watching those things. I got them on my machine, so I'm watching them very closely. But crude oil's been positive for five weeks. Most of the, the commodity indexes have been positive for five weeks. Gold's been positive for, for I mean, uh, Copy has been positive seven weeks. Gold's six weeks. So the only other thing is some relative strength buy signals. Atlanticus, uh, that was a $2 stock. I, I own some. Denny's, uh, 8x8, uh, Badu, uh, Cardtronics, Baru, which is interesting medical company, uh, International Game Technology, Imogen, the St. Joe Company, and LG Display Neighbors, PetSmart, and Laredo Petroleum and Matador. It's Stifo, I'm sorry, Financial, and Sagamo Therapeutics, Webster Financial, and Catalyst Biosystems. So those are all some pretty interesting stuff. A lot of biotechs, by the way, and a lot of oil stocks getting uh, uh, buy signals. Hey, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. We'll be back shortly.
1: Okay, we're
0: back. Uh, I, I do believe we have Jason on the line. Jason, you out there? Yeah. Yeah. How you doing?
2: Merry Christmas.
0: Ho ho ho. <laughs> how are you?
2: I'm doing good. Hey, my, what my can I do for you? you is, yeah. My question to you is: um, I believe um, that, that we will see interest rates go up a little bit at some point here. I, I don't know when it's going to be, but it can't stay basically at zero to 0.25 forever. And and my question to you is, typically, my understanding of preferred stock ETFs is that um, if interest rates rise, people will, will, will dump those more to go to the bonds because that's where you can actually get safer yield. And I had a question to you. There, my understanding also is that there are preferred stock ETFs, that, and there's a, not a lot of them, but there's some that are variable. And, and I wanted to know a little bit more about the variable um, uh, rate ones is that variable just in the yield? If basically interest rates go up, their yield will probably go up. If interest rates go down, the yield will go down. What about the principal? I know the principal could be at risk if the companies don't do well, but is the principal at risk based on the
0: interest rate? Well, what they do is uh, usually quarterly or half year, Jason, is they, they readjust their, their, the interest rate. Uh, the other thing that you can buy is the, uh, what they call TIPS, and that's Treasury Inflation Protected. And they, they change it every half year too. All right. So if inflation comes in, <coughs> the tips are the place to be. Uh, so what they're trying to do is keep your principal somewhat stable. Uh, it's just not perfect, but, uh, you know, reg- regular preferreds will get beat up, but bonds will get beat up too, just so you know. It, uh, look, bonds have been in the biggest bubble. That, that's, that makes the, the, uh, the bubble of 2000 and, uh, tech stocks look like a day in the park. Uh, there's so yeah. much money in bonds right now. People don't know it. Um, I mean, seven trillion dollars left the stock market, went to the bond market. Yeah. <laughs> so, by well, the way, that's what I'm looking that's, at. That's that that's what seven I'm trillion could. Co- yeah, that seven trillion could come back in the stock market, uh, and there's another five trillion in the in the money market. Uh, that's twice as much as it was back in 2009. So there's a lot yeah. of money out there looking for a home. Well- uh, well, and
2: that's what I'm saying. If I wanted to be, if I if I was in 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 a lot, you know, heavy in, in in stock, you know, mix of value and growth and that, and I didn't want to be in a lot of bond, but I wanted to be in a little bit safer than the stock. I thought the prefer- preferred would be good if it was variable because the interest rate is going to go up at some point. And I'm thinking right now, variable can only lose on interest rates if it goes down. It can't go down anymore. We're already at zero basically.
0: Correct.
2: Am I I'm am I looking at right? <laughs> No, am I, am
0: i've been I, saying that for what? a year i've been saying that yeah. for a year so
2: uh but i mean am i misunderstanding this variable preferred like is there something i'm missing where you know because normally that, you don't like variable stuff because it can go down but i'm like in this case the interest rate i know the company could could go n- not be able to pay the yield but i'm saying based on interest rates i can't see interest rates hurting variable unless we went negative on, on rates. uh that's correct i
0: would say, well you know it depends look I. Interest rates have spiked before, right? Uh, when Arthur Burns turned on the tap back in Jimmy Carter's administration, he, he didn't turn it, turn it off. And yeah. you know, Johnson Johnson bonds were trading at sixty. You know, and they that's the best credit quality in the world. Yeah, it still is. By the way, it's better than the U.S. government. But they were at sixty, and bonds trade at a hundred normally. So well, well, have...
2: would these but will these preferred normal preferred that aren't variable? Because I know those will get hurt. But I'm talking about the variable preferred. They should do better if interest rates go up, right? Yes. Okay. That's what I was thinking.
0: Yeah, they're hard to find, but by the way, Jason, but when you find them,
2: I don't want to say one on the air because I found one.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's that's up to you. You better buy it first.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, Exactly. Exactly.
0: What about short term
2: yeah. what about short term bonds like an ultra short term would would they be okay in a rising interest rate environment if they're real short
0: Uh yeah I mean look what, look when when interest rates are low what you want to do is make a ladder okay so you keep having money due come due so if interest rates go up you know you got money coming due to uh buy more bonds That's all you can do at this point you know if you're if you're looking at fixed income I I think a yeah. better way is uh, the prime income list or the dividend growth list uh, people have not been paying attention to dividend paying stocks for about four years now. It's all growth.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. So that that yep. would be the place I, I would stay.
2: I got a lot in the dividend paying. I'm just worried that some of them, when I was reading that w- when you have a bad market downturn, everyone thinks you're protected with your dividend. Some of these ETF dividends, they they cut their dividend by 25%, and it took four years for them to recover. Well, so this is the, the, the worst
0: year. There. This has been the worst year for dividend stocks uh, ever, as far as cutting dividends. Oh. But okay. that also means that the future is bright. Look, yeah. the, the Fed's well, on your the side. I think, I think, I think after we have a brief correction in the in the in the uh, the winter of next year, uh, that you better load up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we're. Yeah, I think this market's going up big. So I'll just leave it at that. Hey, I'm going to yeah. get on well, to uh, insider Jason. Yeah. All right, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Uh, now, we always talk about insiders, and they just know their companies better. And I'm looking for guys that buy big, okay? Uh, big guys. That's what we want. So we know that they're putting their money where their mouth is. Uh, usually they're early, by the way, just so you know. I noticed that Lexicon Pharmaceuticals, Inbus Public Equities, which is smart money, by the way, and Artel International, both bought $35 million worth of stock this week, which is not jump change. Uh, at, at a new high, by the way. Also, Universal Logistics Holdings. There was a big buy there of uh, twenty-eight million dollars by Matthew Monroe. Uh, Mon- Monroe, sorry. Uh, that's a big that's a big chunk of change too. And then and this was interesting because Rocket Pharmaceuticals RTW Investments bought thirteen point eight million, almost at a new high, and the stock had rocketed. And another one, IGM Biosciences. We had uh, two buyers. Uh, both topso, uh, members of the topso family that bought after it broke to, you know, from 60 to 120 is pulled back to 84. They both bought $10 million worth. That's pretty good money. So uh, we also had uh, A2 Biosciences, which got crushed. It was a $15 stock and now it's six. We had uh, Armatis Capital buy $8 million worth of stock. And then Zoma, which Zoma, I've been in and out of Zoma about 20 times in my career. Uh I, they have new management in, so maybe I'm wrong here, but I've had some tough times with them. But BFD Partners, which is smart money, bought $5 million worth of the stock. at Buhai, And Matthew Perry also bought $5 million shares. And, and by the way, you should look that guy up. He's pretty smart. Oh, you know what? I forgot. In IGMS, we also had Kathy, Catherine Behrens buy uh, $4 million worth. And here we have a little $4 stock, a software company called NetOne UEPS Technologies. And... Uh, We had several buyers, uh, a couple buyers of 1.9 million, a couple buyers of 500 thousand, and then we had a couple buyers uh, uh, just earlier in the week of 114 thousand. So uh, six buyers, uh, multiple buyers I like seeing, and then U-Haul. Here we got a company that's at a new high, and they're buying, uh, you know, one, two, three buys uh, of U-Haul. so at a new high, you like seeing that. So uh, at least I like seeing it, <laughs> I should say. Uh, a couple other names, uh, Grid Dynamics, which is, uh, you know, in the information technology services after a big run from uh, like $8 to $11. Uh, we noticed that Victoria Lifshitz, she's EV of customer service, bought a million point, $1.4 point four million. And then uh, also uh, Southern National Regional Bank Corp, uh, there was a uh Dennis Zember, who's a president and CEO, uh bought uh one one point one million. And then finally, Athene Holdings, uh, which is an insurance area. We had the chairman, CEO and CIO, uh James Bellardi by a million dollars worth. So quite a bit of buying in that area and uh we'll just take it from there. So now look, uh I, I, I wanna emphasize that I'm I am looking for a change <laughs> in the new year. Uh, in my opinion, I I think the stock market indexes they're near new highs, but beneath the services, there's uh, the surface. There's a lot of different trends developing, and uh, I see you know, stock market groups and sectors whose movement is important as the indexes themselves making changes. And uh, you know, we are seeing the earliest, earliest signs that the movement into large tech you know, work from home and the economic recovery stocks that have been strong over the past several months may be reaching a point where buying interest has peaked, okay? So I, I think the market's about to change, and I don't know exactly. I gave you, you know, my best call on, uh, you know, what I think is going to happen. I'm not absolutely sure. Nobody's absolutely sure ever. Uh, but, you know, we, we are at the top end of the channel that started, in the S&P 500 back in 2009. So, you know, it's been staying in it. So, you know, back in 2009, we went below the channel. And also this year, we went below the channel. But usually, uh, when we've got to the top end, uh, it's been something you have to pay pretty close attention to. So uh, we're at the top end. The bullish percent is 73%. You know, get your ducks in order. You know, be pay, pay attention. Uh, you know, we're starting to see, you know, days that we're going back and forth quickly, very quickly, you know, and... uh I think you have to, you know, be careful as as to what you're you're doing. So, look, if if we continue this choppy pattern, I think, uh, you know, it, it's the type of pattern, and what they call a broadening pattern. Uh, start out with a broadening pattern to a, a smaller triangle pattern. That if it breaks, it'll break hard. And uh, look, I, I, I'm, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's the correction will be one of the great buying opportunities that you'll ever have in your life. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm fairly bullish in the long term, folks. So, uh, you know, if, you know, if we were to break 2950 on the Dow, I think, you know, we could go down a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing a couple start early warning signs, you know, uh, um, there's a large amount of call option buyers, uh, they've been very active over their you know, the time the IPO market's gone bananas. Uh, you know, I mean, some of these things have gone straight up. And I think what's happening is, is a lot of retail investors think they're getting the, the price from the start. And really what they do is they get the open market, the, the first price in the open. So in the meantime, over the weekend, we're going to have a, it's Christmas. It's the last day of Hanukkah. So all my Jewish friends, happy Hanukkah. We got Christmas coming up. Take it easy. Remember, you can get the dividend growth portfolio, the ADR list. The prime income list, uh, the small cap list, which might be a place to be next year, Uh, and also uh, the multi-cap list. And you can also get uh, woman's Women and Wealth, a planning workbook, the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook, and a business owner's guide to transition planning. There we go. There's a lot of good stuff to have. Just go to WHK1420, local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. Get to contact me. Don't forget to go into Insight on my webpage. Good stuff there. Anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Remember, uh, my name's Tim Hayes. This is the Smart Investor Show. Buy low, sell high.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, R B C W M F A. slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.